0: Good morning, Church. Uh, My name is Tin. Uh, I'm doing the second Bible reading, and today's reading is on Psalm 4. Uh, Before I read Psalm 4, uh, I think you probably noticed that uh, among all the Psalms, there are some subscripts called sellers, and I was curious about this, so I Googled that, and I noticed that this is actually called for a pause. Uh, I imagine these are actually psalms which are sung in the Old Testament days uh, as a liturgy. So in this psalm, there are sellers in verse 2 and 4. So I will make a slight pause there uh, as I read through the psalm. And it's Psalm 4, which is another psalm written by King David. Answer me when I call to you. My righteous God, give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusion and seek false gods? Know that the God has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin when you are on your beds. Search your hearts and be silent. Offer the sacrifice of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound, in peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Tin, and let me encourage you to keep your Bibles open to Psalm 4. We will work our way through it, and we will reflect on the words of this prayer, and may God teach us what we must learn. Let's join in prayer once again. Heavenly Father, as we reflect on these words, these are inspired words, inspired prayers which teach us of you and how we are to come to you each night. We pray, Lord, that you teach us what we must learn, that we will come to you with humble obedience. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'd like to begin with the question that is, how do you sleep each night? Are you one of those who sleep easy? You're just one of those who sleep anywhere. You can fall asleep now, let's hope not. But you sleep anywhere. You find it very easy to sleep. You sleep like a baby, which I never really quite understood. You just have to be a parent to know that babies don't sleep like babies. They cry and cry and cry. I remember our kids, oh boy, it was carrying them for several hours just to get them to sleep. Or are you one of those who find it very difficult to sleep each night. You toss, you turn, you just can't get your eyes to close and your mind to settle, you just cannot sleep. I remember when our kids were a bit younger and they can't get to, couldn't get to sleep, and, and what, what, what do we tell them, just like any parent? Well, count sheep. Get to 99 and you'll fall asleep. And if that didn't work, they come out again, and we say, well, now do your maths times tables in your mind. Why? Because you have to be good at maths. That sometimes works. But I'm sure we all know what it's like to go to bed as the city has turned off its lights and all the doors in our homes are all locked up and the family has snugged themselves into bed. And we go to bed and our mind is still troubled. Our heart is still racing. Our soul is unsettled. Have you experienced that? There is no rest in bed. There is no peace at night. Only despair and disappointment and heartache and pain and sorrow. And when you finally bring yourself to sleep, you wake up in the middle of the night, breaking out in sweat, and you're feeling just the same way you went to bed, with all that tension and all that pressure, and there's no way getting back to sleep. You see, how we sleep each night reflects a lot about us. It reflects something of our heart. It reflects whether we have peace and security. One of the most beautiful pictures of sleep in the Bible is that of Jesus Christ himself. Remember when he was with his disciples out on the boat in the middle of the Lake of Galilee and there was a storm raging outside. The boat was being swamped by the waves. The wind was blowing. It was thundering. They were in grave danger. And what was Jesus doing? He was fast asleep, without a care in the world, without any fear, without any fear of danger. It's just a beautiful picture of sleep. That's the type of sleep I want each night. So how do you sleep like that? How do you sleep like that when our minds are filled with worries, emails to reply, people to speak to, bills to pay, when our hearts are filled with despair, and when our souls are frightened, not just by the night, but what may happen the next day? Well, this psalm is for you. This psalm is for us because we get to listen in on the prayer life of King David and learn from him. You see, Psalm 4 is an evening psalm. It's an evening prayer, a prayer you pray before you go to bed. It's paired with Psalm 3, which is often seen as the morning psalm. As you face the day, that is Psalm 3. As you go to bed, that is Psalm 4. You reflect on the day. You hand it all back to God, entrusting my cares to the God who cares for me as I go to bed. And so let's have a look at this psalm. David begins here with his prayer, with a plea to God. And he begins quite audaciously, do you see, in verse 1. It doesn't seem like it's fitting language to use with God. Look at verse 1. Answer me when I call to you. I mean, that sounds a bit like me speaking to my children. Answer me when I call to you, when I'm shouted to from the other side of the house. Answer me. I'm your father. But he, David, There was certainly no sense of rudeness, but rather it was an impassioned plea. And you would plead the way David did when you faced the type of troubles David did, when they were all welling up as you go to bed. Now we're not exactly sure what was the historical background behind this psalm, but if this psalm was paired with Psalm 3, then perhaps as David went to bed no longer in his palace, but perhaps in the cave somewhere. As he went to bed, what was on his mind was his son Absalom, his own flesh and blood who was still after him and wanting him dead. Now, I can't even imagine going to bed with that feeling, can you? I mean, to go to bed, to imagine your son who is after you, it's agonizing, excruciating, piercing to the heart. I mean, to be hated by an enemy. You go to bed, your enemy hates you. Well, it hurts, but it's expected. You go to bed and a brother hates you. That hurts a a whole lot more. But you go to bed and your son hates your guts. It's like a thousand swords stabbing into your heart. How do you go to sleep? And so David, in his impassioned plea, As the day comes to an end and the night closes in. Verse 1 again Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. As everyone else, they've all gone to sleep. I have but you, my God, to call out to. Which means here, David is recognizing that he is coming to the one true God who is righteous. He calls his God my righteous God. The one who sees everything. The one who sees all the secrets within our hearts. Nothing escapes his all-seeing eye. And that's why this verse is also translated in some Bibles, God who vindicates me. You see, at the end of the day, I come not to a human judge, but I come into the throne room of God himself, the divine judge, my righteous God who vindicates me. And what was his plea? What was his confidence? Well, he remembers how God has acted in the past. You see that in verse 1. And his trust was that God would do the same. Verse 1. Give me relief from my distress. Now, in the NIV, it's in the present sense, but it's perhaps better translated in the past tense. You have given me relief when I was in distress. And so the picture here is of darkness and despair and the enemies closing in on him suffocating him the pressure is on from every side he's being hemmed in and he's got nowhere to go that's how he feels at night but yet he remembers God has given me relief God has enlarged my space he has given me that way out in the past It's how the King James Version translates this verse. The word relief is the word enlarge. He has enlarged me when I was in distress. He has given me space to go. He's given me a way out. He's given me relief. And so just as you've done in the past, God, he prays that. And that's a good thing to do, isn't it? We reflect on how God has been good to us in the past. Lord, just as you have looked after me as a little boy when I was in danger please look after me again. Lord, when I was under pressure and I felt that danger from every side, you you cared for me then. Please do that again. When when I was under stress from that test, from that exam, you cared for me. Please do that again. When I was sick and I was facing even death, you cared for me then. Please do that again. And that's what David prayed in verse 1. Be merciful to me, And hear my prayer this time too. I mean, isn't that a wonderful prayer already? Just one verse. A wonderful prayer to end the day when it seems like the world is caving in. My trouble so big, so overwhelming. I cannot find rest in my restless mind, but I come to my righteous God. Have mercy on me and hear my prayers. And now David, he prays about the things that Have been troubling him. And it speaks of two big things. First, he speaks and prays about his honor because he has been shamed. And second, he prays for God's favor because he wants security and peace. And so, firstly, he prays about his honor. Now, this might sound a bit strange. Why would you be praying about your own honor? He's not praying about God's honor, did you see? Well, I suspect we understand why David prayed such a prayer about his honour when we face what David faces. You see, have you ever been, in your life, falsely accused? Ever experienced that? Slandered? Things said about you that were completely untrue? You may have done something or said something. Good intentions But it was twisted around so much, like Chinese whispers, that when it went through 10 different people, it came back to you, you're like this wicked, evil monster. Has that ever happened to you? You know, gossip and slander. I mean, it hurts when it happens, doesn't it? Well, for David, you see, as the king of Israel, as God's anointed ruler, people were out to get him, not just behind his back, But he was publicly shamed and despised. And you can just imagine what they've been saying to him. Can you imagine what they would have said to him? I mean, where's your palace now, David? You're stuck in a cave. You might be king, but you're a lousy king at that. In fact, you're no longer king. You may have been a wonderful warrior, but what a mess of a father you are. You can't even keep your own sons in line. They hate you, and it's all your fault. Try Going to sleep with those thoughts running through your mind. And so David prays now, verse 2 How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Or so perhaps it's again better translated How long will you seek emptiness and vanity? You see, those who dishonor David. Those who spoke malicious things about him and shamed him and slandered him and scorned at him and talking rubbish of him, they were in fact the ones believing rubbish. They were the ones pursuing lies. They were the ones who were deluded. And perhaps something may need to be said here about how this is in fact so common today amongst us in our world where people do love delusions pursue lies and speak of lies as though they are true i mean i don't know about you but i find it really hard to believe what i read in the newspapers today especially depends which one but you may know which one i'm talking about it's very hard to believe what they speak what they share what they report trial by media not by justice but to be a christian means we are on about the truth no delusions No lies, let alone be ones who spread it. And so what did David do when his honour was shamed? When people did not treat him with the respect that was his due? When people treated him like rubbish rather than the king? Well, notice where David's honour rests. It was not with the opinion of men. Do you notice that? It was not even with the opinion of the devil. No doubt the devil would have been taunting him all night. But it laid with the opinion of God. You see, when you go to bed and all that fills your mind were the abuses, the words, the harsh words spoken to you, about you, the lies. If I go to sleep thinking about all those things, it is not going to be a good night's sleep. My heart will remain unsettled. But if I go to bed, remembering that my honor is what God has bestowed upon me, I go to bed remembering what God thinks of me. It is God's opinion that matters most. I have rest. And that's what David did. Look at verse 3 now. Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear When I call to him. David's saying, who cares what people think about me? Who cares what this world thinks about me? Who cares what my manager, my colleagues, my friends think about me? I belong to God. He has set me apart and I belong to him. The New Testament will call that adoption. I'm a child of God's. He is mine and I am his. I mean, there's no greater honor bestowed upon any creature of God than for God to say to you, to look at you and to say, out of all the people, you are mine and I have set you apart. And so David prays, remembering his honor, his significance, his worth comes from God and not from men. I'm a child of God and I can rest easy in that. But of course, David was here quite realistic about the anger he still felt. You're still fuming inside. And I'm sure many of us, we know what it feels like to go to bed angry when you're repeating the conversations in, in your mind. You're replaying it. You're replaying that conflict, that battle. And you're working out, well, how will I get this person back? You're scheming. You're plotting. But you see, David was wise enough To talk himself out of it. Do you see that? Verse 4. In your anger, do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. You see, anger in and of itself is not wrong, but it is so, so easy to sin when you are angry. Just think about the last time you sinned. Was it because you were angry? Instead... We go to bed. When we go to bed angry, we search our hearts. We be silent. We reflect. And we lay it all out before the Lord. In the premarital course that Yvonne and myself run for couples, on one of the sessions, one of the topics we focus on is anger. Because what marriage is there where there is no conflict and no anger and no seasons of anger... And so we consider this verse, but quoted in Ephesians 4, which reads, In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. You see, if we allow anger to fester, our hearts to rage, for it to bubble up and grow, it will consume us. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it many times even in myself, and I'm sure you have too. And I'm sure we agree, anger can not only destroy relationships, but it in fact poisons the heart. And what a weight that is to carry, night after night, week after week, year after year, to go to bed angry. There is no peace in that. Instead, here we learn from David, verse 4. Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. As I go to bed, I do not want to offer the Lord a day where I've been angry, where I've been hateful, thoughtless, vengeful, nasty. Here's my day, Lord. Accept it, please. No. Instead, I want to offer a day to the Lord where I've lived it out as a sacrifice to Him. When I've done well today, Lord... It's because you have enabled me by your grace. But where I have failed, Lord, please forgive me. Where I have made mistakes, please cover over those mistakes. The sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite heart. Here's my day, Lord. Please accept it. And so, David, here in this prayer, firstly, he prays about his honor. And he trusts that his honor lay not with people but with god god has set him apart for god that is where his worth laid and now secondly finally david prays for god's favor you see we all want good things to happen to us don't we we chase after good things the new things the expensive things the beautiful things and that's why this question was asked verse six many are asking Who can show us any good? Who can show us any good? Perhaps in context, those who were loyal to King David, those who followed him around, those who fled with him and are now stuck in the cave with him, well, they were probably questioning what good can come out of all of this. Who's going to do good to us? Who's going to do good for us? Now, how would you answer that? How would you answer that question? Who can show us any good? Well, I think the Australian way is, well, you have to do good for yourself. It is up to you. You have to look after number one. You want good to happen to you, you're the one to do it. If you don't live your dream, someone else will live your dream. And if you don't do that, you'll lose out. And you don't have to go far in the, over the internet or the magazines, Women's Weekly, not that I read that, to find these Self-help positive cliche tips like just follow your heart. I mean, what a terrible idea that is. The human heart is deceitful above all things. And so, what should you do? How should you answer that question? Who can show us any good? Well, you see, David knows the secret. It's not finding it from within, it's not finding it from anyone else. It's not finding it in stuff I can get my hand on. It is finding it in God himself. And what we have here is a bit like the ironic blessing. What is good comes from God. What is good is to have the favor of God. For God to look upon us with favor rather than to turn his face away in anger. And so verse 6, let the light Of your face shine upon us, O Lord. Or in the Old English, it is lift up the light of your countenance upon us. As I lay me down to sleep, it is with the favour of God. And that's why David was able to say in verse 7 now, have a look. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I mean, we know that, don't we? Greater joy comes not from stuff. So easy to know, but so hard to believe. Earthly riches, human successes, wealth and prosperity cannot fill my heart with the joy that the Lord gives. I might go to bed each night and my bank account is busting as it seems. As it seems. I might go to bed without any debt whatsoever. I might go to bed with stacks and abundance, more than I can count. But that, all those things, will not be able to quieten my soul. All those things will not stop the harassing voices and thoughts in my mind. All those things will not give me the joy like the favour of God. Instead, I can go to bed placing all my cares, all my troubles at the feet of Jesus my Lord and have peace. And that's how David ends his prayer. He began this prayer with distress, but he ends with peace and security. Look at verse 8, our final verse. I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord. Make me dwell in safety. That is to have the favour of God. That is to have peace from God. That is to be safe in God. You know, the doors around the home may be all locked. You might have a wonderful security system. I've got a camera in my front door. It might be all wonderful, but that's not going to keep me safe at night. What will keep me safe is the Lord who makes me dwell in safety. As I completely lose my mind and body over the next few hours, I don't know what's going to happen. I might have nightmares, bad dreams, good dreams, night terrors. As I become completely vulnerable for the next eight hours, some of us sleep more than that, some less, I have to entrust myself to the Lord of my sleep, the one who does not sleep, I might be sleeping, but my God is not, and so I can sleep easy. My life is in his hands. John Bailey, the Scottish minister who lived in the last century, whom I've quoted a few times in the past, one of his evening prayers was this. He prayed, I cry out to you to create a little pool of heavenly peace in my heart as I lie down to sleep. I want to let go of the busyness, noise and worries of today so that my heart and mind can be still as I wait expectantly for you and meditate on your love. And isn't that a brilliant prayer to end the day? And isn't David's psalm a brilliant prayer to end the day? My honour comes not from men and women. It comes from God and God's favour is given to me. And so how are you sleeping? How do you sleep last night? Do you sleep easy or do you sleep difficult? Can you sleep like Jesus? You see, I think what we learn from this psalm is not just about our daily sleep, but it is in fact also a picture of our very last sleep on earth. When we breathe our last breath when we close our eyes for the very last time. You see, sleeping is a picture of dying. It's why in the 18th century, a beautiful short prayer was taught to children to pray before they went to bed. And it was this prayer. Some of you may know this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake... I pray the Lord my soul to take. You see, there will be one day, one last sleep we'll all have unless the Lord returns first. One last sleep where we'll have to commit our soul to God's keeping. Alistair Begg, another Scottish preacher, he said, how will we know how to lay down in our grave... If we don't know how to lay down in our own bed each night, but if I know how to lay down each night in my own bed, entrusting myself to God, then I'll know how I'll lay down when I'll finally sleep that one last sleep. Because I know my righteous God, who wakes me up every morning, is also the same God who will wake me up on the resurrection day. And just this very week, my first week back to work, I received two such phone calls of one last sleep on earth. But it was one last sleep in the Lord, safe in the arms of Jesus our Saviour. You see how our sleep reveals our heart. All the voices, anxieties, troubles, Distresses and despairs, but how can you sleep easy? How can you sleep like Jesus? Can we? Well, we can. I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O God, make me dwell in safety. Maybe that might be our prayer tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, who is Lord over our living, our day, and our nighttime and our sleep, the one we entrust our soul to each night we go to bed. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll give us that deep peace and safety and security that can come only from you and a joy that will well up and overflow from our hearts. And so we thank you, Lord, for this prayer. Make it ours. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.